0: Did you miss the headline and the top story of the day? Extra, extra, read all about it. Don't worry, because we got you covered. This is how we do. It's the Cattles and Rami.
1: Top Spot.
2: Ah, yes, you know where we start with the top spot this hour, fourth and final hour of Cattles and Rami. We got to start with the NBA Finals. And Miami doing Miami things last night. Look, Miami is completely and utterly unaffected by your takes and feelings. They just don't care. They're not worried about you thinking they're going to lose this series. They're not worrying about you thinking they're going to lose the series in four or five games, get swept, or the gentleman sweep. They're not worried about that. They don't give a damn. They don't care, and they said as much last night. First, here was Gabe Vincent with the uh, TNT crew on NBA TV.
3: Are you guys
1: a little upset that you're not getting the respect that you deserve? I speak for my whole team when I say we don't give a damn. We just want to get four wins. We don't give a damn about none of the other stuff.
2: We don't care. We don't care about your storylines. We don't care about your narratives. We don't care about points per game. We don't care about any of it. We care about four things. Win one, win two, win three, win four of this series. That's what we're concerned with. And if you didn't believe Gabe Vincent, maybe you should actually believe Jimmy Butler.
1: I just think nobody cares on our team. We're not We're not worried about what anybody thinks. Um, we're so focused in on what we do well and who we are as a group that at the end of the day, that's what we fall back on. Um, make or miss shots, we're going to be who we are because we're not worried about anybody else. It's how it's been all year long, and um, that's not going to change. So that's what I think it is. I think it's the I don't give a damn factor.
2: Rami, when you have the I don't give a damn
0: factor, you have a freedom that you play with. Yep. A freedom, a confidence, a nothing-to-lose sort of mentality when, when nobody thinks that you can win. And, Nick, it, it it's why I can't count them out. It's why when this series started, I said, man, I'm taking the Nuggets, but I don't think many people are giving the Heat a chance, and I'm I'm 100% giving the Heat a chance. You're talking about a team that beat a one seed to open the playoffs and taking out the Bucks, beat the Knicks, and then went ahead and took out the two seed yeah. in the Boston Celtics. In the Eastern Conference Finals, like these guys keep take, taking down heavyweights, and people just and people keep going. Yeah, cool story, but uh, here comes your beating. You know what I mean? I, I hope you enjoyed the ride because it's over now. And the Heat, you can't tell them that the ride is over, Nick. You no, did, no, you just cannot tell them that the ride is over. They're keeping the foot. They're keeping the foot down on the pedal, and, and this ride keeps on going. I mean, you can tell them. They're just not going to listen. Yeah, you can try to tell them that this
2: party's over, but they're going to keep on raging one step at a time. Um, so, yeah, they just have this utter belief in themselves, man. They, they have an unwavering
0: trust, an unwavering belief. I mean, all of these guys are confident. I did not think they could do it with the type of night that they got from Jimmy Butler last night, though. I said when this series started, yeah, they can win they it. They did that to the Celtics. That is true, but I just thought that this Nuggets team is was was better, was that much better, and I didn't think that without, without – All-star type, superstar type performance from Jimmy Butler. Playoff Jimmy type of performances from Jimmy Butler. Night in, night out, consistently throughout this series that that the Heat weren't going to be able to win it. And they got got another ordinary performance for the most part last night from Jimmy Butler. 13 points through the first three quarters. He was 7 of 19 from the field. He's 13 of 33 now in the series. And yet they're going back to Miami with a 1-1 tie. The fact... The fact that they did that with Jimmy Butler doing what he did means they kind of stole one. Anytime you take one on the road, you you consider it stealing one. But they really stole one being able to do what they did with Jimmy Butler having an ordinary night for Jimmy Butler. And sometimes we get wrapped up into the stuff
2: that that we've been talking about here the last few minutes about a team that plays hard. And and they do. And a a team that... You know, it makes you play disciplined, it makes you play smart, and you have to play with poise when you're playing against the Heat because as soon as you lose your poise, you're going to lose that stretch of the game, and you could end up losing the game. But let's also not overlook the fact that a number of these guys have had games where it's just an out-of-body experience shooting the basketball. You know, Duncan Robinson has showed up in a couple of these games in the last two series and made a huge difference Miami doesn't win that game last night if Duncan Robinson doesn't go on an individual run to start the fourth quarter. Uh, he was also a pivotal piece late in that Celtics series. So Duncan Robinson is somebody who's been making some shots. Gabe Vincent is obviously having a tremendous out of his season. Caleb Martin was ridiculous in the Eastern Conference Finals. So let's also look at the shooting because what Miami is doing... Uh, Doing shooting-wise is legitimately historic. Against Milwaukee, Boston, and Denver, the nine games that they have won against those three teams who were clearly favored against Miami, Miami is shooting 47% from three, including 48% or 48.7%, so close to 49%, on heavily contested three. So Even when teams are contesting threes, they're knocking shots down. They're knocking open shots down. They're knocking tough shots down. They're knocking all sorts of threes down. And this is a team who was statistically one of the worst shooting teams in the league this year. This is literally a Cinderella story. A team that is making shots at a clip that nobody, even themselves, as confident as they are, Rami, even themselves have
0: to be somewhat surprised by the way, they're shooting the ball in the last couple of series especially. But just like I said about about the way that the Celtics' season ended, about the the way that the Kings' season ended, and I said great shooting teams can go cold for days at a time, for stretches, and that can cost you a series. Bad shooting teams can get on a heater. They can get hot, they can, they can be on one, and they can have themselves a streak. And I don't know if you can still consider... <laughs> When you're talking about the entirety of a playoff run damn near, as we're halfway, almost halfway through the NBA Finals, I don't know if you can just call it a heater or, or a hot streak or whatever the case might be, but they, they're, they're bucking the trend of, of the regular season in the opposite direction of what the Celtics and the Kings did in terms of being really good shooting teams throughout the regular season, and then they just can't find their touch over the course of a series.
2: Anthony Chiang from uh, the Miami Herald the Heat are shooting 39.2% on 34 threes a game in the playoffs. At that pace, the Heat would become the first team in NBA history to shoot 39% or better on threes on at least 34 attempts per game during a single playoff run that lasted more than seven games. So, I mean, this is This is historic. A lot of people fall into that trap when we cover series, when we cover games, saying, oh, this is
0: historic, that's historic. This is legitimately historic. This is
2: legitimately, legitimately
0: historic what we're seeing from a shooting standpoint from Miami. And, Nick, if they're shooting that well and you're giving them 14 turnovers and you're sending them to the free throw line 22 times, you're going to have a hard time beating the Miami Heat. They win in the margins. You you give them the smallest sliver of opportunity – and they jump right on it. I mean, and-
2: we, we had Dan Feldman on the show earlier. And, you know, Dan said that uh, I asked the question, you know, if Miami continues to shoot like they shot last night, does it matter who they play? Does it matter who the opposition is? And Dan said, yes. I I disagree, man. Like, there's a, there's a through line for this postseason for Miami. When they shoot, like, 47% or better from three, they're beating everybody. They beat Milwaukee, they beat Boston, and they beat Denver. That's a that's a theme. If they shoot as well as they shot last night, they can win this series and I think they will win this series. It's very difficult when a team shooting 34-35 threes a game and knocking down almost 50% of those. You have to play and I know Denver's at a very high level offensively, but you've got to play almost immaculate offensive basketball to to overcome that. You know, last night it was, there was some funky things that happened in that game obviously. But going back to Miami, they shoot like that in Miami.
0: This series could be 3-1. To, I don't think it's going to be, but it could be. Just to tell you how much of an anomaly an anomaly, this Miami Heat team is, that's hard to say fast. An anomaly? Yeah. They're the second eight seed ever to win a finals game, Nick. They're the second eight seed in the history yeah. of the NBA. They're the, whole, they're, the second, I think they're the second eight seed to get to the finals. They're the first to tie a series. No other eight seed, and you're right. What the only second second one to make the finals? The no, other, no other eight seed has even been tied in a series at one. Like they they got there, and then they got they won one game later in the series, but then got run off the court. This is this is a different breed of eight seed than than maybe anything we've ever seen before. When you're talking about the Miami Heat,
2: a couple of other things about last night's game and how Miami won. Look, they uh, another consistent aspect of, of their wins in the postseason is when they don't turn the basketball over. When they win the turnover margin, they did that last night. They had two fewer turnovers than Denver had. And they do a good job of scoring off of those turnovers. The others, man, you know, this was a theme again in the in the, in the Celtics series when you had Kayla Martin and Gabe Vincent having just big-time performances. Last night, Max Struess had 14 points. Vincent led scores with 23 points for Miami. Kyle Lowry chipped in with nine points. Duncan Robinson, we talked about his individual run in the fourth quarter. He had 10 points. I mean, when you start adding all of that up, 50-plus points, whatever it is, from your other guys. So Jimmy Butler's not playing great. Well, Bam Adebayo played really well. Mm -hmm. And then you got four or five of the other guys playing really well. That's how you can win a game like last night. If the Heat win this series, right now Bam Adebayo is the series MVP, right? I would think so, but I thought Caleb Martin was the series MVP for the Eastern Conference Finals, and they they gave it to Jimmy Butler. That so, is true. you know, the media loves Jimmy Butler. I love Jimmy Butler, but he didn't deserve the MVP last series. Uh, and also, let's look at the other side of this, okay? I mean, we, we have to be we have to be transparent. We got to be objective. Denver didn't play great. They didn't play necessarily great in game one. They played even worse last night. If, if Denver plays, this has been the story of the Heat's postseason. If, if Milwaukee played their best, Milwaukee wins that series. If the Celtics played their best, they win that series. If Denver plays their best, they win this series. But Miami forces you to play 48 minutes, and teams get uncomfortable and sometimes teams get too comfortable. It's like this back and forth, this yin and this yang. Sometimes you see a great run like Denver had in the second quarter last night. They come out in the second half and they almost act like, okay, we're just going to win this game. Other times, it's just that pressure that Miami puts on you to just play disciplined and smart. You know, so last night, Michael Porter Jr. was awful. He was. That- you want to talk about terrible overall game? Five points offensively, couldn't make a shot. Yeah, he looked lost. And then
0: defensively looked like a chicken with his head cut off running around. He had no idea what the hell to do and defensively. I, s- I saw a tweet yesterday, Nick. We were on the air. Or, no, we weren't. We were. It was the weekend. I saw a tweet before. You, say, you th- might have been on the
2: air on a Sunday. I, I, I saw a tweet. I take be- Sundays off. I
0: saw a tweet before the game started saying Jeff Green was going around and telling his teammates, hey, we haven't won anything yet. You know what I mean? Stay locked in. Keep the foot on the pedal. Yeah. And maybe he was saying that because he sent something. In, in those guys. And, and, and like you said, maybe they did get a little too comfortable and confident. And we're looking at the other roster and going, we're better than these guys. Come on. We, we can beat these guys. And they forgot that you got to be perfect, almost, yeah, like, like you said. when playing the Miami Heat. F- from
2: a physical standpoint, you're uncomfortable. From a mental standpoint, you almost get too comfortable because you're looking across and you're going, Max Struess, Duncan Robinson. You know, really? Yeah, really. They keep beating really good teams. Jamal Murray's got to play better too. 18 points ain't going to do it. It's not going to do it.
0: So uh, we'll see. We'll see we have what to happens. We two more days for a game.
2: In this series. I was going to say something and then I forgot. Story of my life. Sorry. It's okay. It's, not, it's my fault. Oh, I thought I interrupted you. Yeah, but Michael Porter Jr. was off.
0: <laughs> was that it? Was that what you to no, say? No, I just want to oh, dump okay. on him again. He was All bad.
2: Right. He was so bad. You watched that game last night. I mean, you just... Oh, I know what I want to say. To go along with your Jeff Green point, they had that uh, the audio thing, right? When they, they, they have audio from a player or a coach. And Bruce Brown was also one of those guys, and he was screaming. They showed him in the beginning of the game he, when they got off to that really slow start. Denver did. Bruce Brown was screaming, Wake up! From the sideline. Wake up! From the bench area. And he was he kept saying it. Wake I didn't up! hear him. Uh, so... Bruce Brown knew there was an issue. You just dude, You, you can't you can't take your foot off the pedal against no, Miami. You ease up a little bit. They're gonna jump all over. Again, that's not the only reason they're shooting great. Their others are playing great. Bam and Jimmy have pretty much been no, but splitting. There's, good, there's but-
0: something to be like I said earlier. Somebody said they were lucky, Nick, and I said luck is when preparation meets opportunity. They're they're ready for every opportunity that you give them. All right, um, let's talk about the Kings next. Should the Kings
2: <laughs> itchy trigger finger? Simone is very quick on the trigger. <laughs> She's very excited. <laughs> Should the Kings go after a pair of expected Laker free agents? We'll get to that, Simone, in 90 seconds.
0: Cattles and Robbie. Cattles in Robbie.
3: Sacktown sport.
2: All right, so uh we know the Kings needs, Rami. We've we've talked about some of the things they need this offseason. Backup big. Some versatility would be nice. Uh, a wing or two, I'd like to have at least two or three wingy this off season. Give me at least two wingy. I, I don't think one wingy is enough. Tommy like wingy. Tommy like wingy. Give me give me two or three wingy this off season.
0: That's a lot. Hey, Monty knows kitchens closed. Monty go out there and get multiple wingies. Not only is are you asking for wingies, you're asking for a lot of wingies. While the kitchens closed. I said give me know?
2: multiple wingies. Right. Get off my back. Hey, hey. Hey, uh, I'm gonna mispronounce this person's name because I always do. Okay, let me see if I do it again. All right, JJ is gonna be all over my stuff. All right, I'm I'm apprehensive because I I I know I'm gonna do it wrong. I know this this name plays tricks on me.
0: I hate those. Nikola Jokic is one for me.
2: Johan Buha. Did I get it right,
0: dude? I was going Yovan. Johan. Wait, there's a V in there, isn't there? Yo-van yeah. Buha. He said jo- he, You said Johan. I think he said Johan. I didn't hear the V. It's Johan. It's Johan. Damn it, I got it wrong. <laughs> False hope given to me. <laughs> Sorry to point it out, but you, you're the one
2: who made a big deal out of it. Johan Buha. There's a V in there. Sorry, Johan. Yeah. Can, I, can I just see? I did it again. Johan. <laughs> Something with me Yo-van, in the name. Johan, dude. It's Johan. Can I just call him Yo? Sure, Mr. Buha, oh. <laughs> yo, Mr. Buha, Yovan Buha. I screw it up every time. It's, it's something <laughs> mental with the me. In that. Yeah, I know. It's something mental with me in the name,
0: Yovan
2: Buha. And
0: it's one of those that the more you like, it just keeps on. You you can't get it right it haunts in your head. Me. Yes. Yeah, it haunts me. Now. I know the exact. Like I'm playing tricks on myself yeah. now. It's, yep. Uh,
2: all right, so uh, Mr. Buha wrote in the Athletic. That uh, the two players appearing that won't be back with the Lakers, Mo Bamba and Malik Beasley, if only because of their contracts, the Lakers would be at around one hundred and twenty to one hundred and twenty-five million, depending on the salary of Rui Hachimura. Before factoring in cap holds or empty roster charges, add Bomba's ten point three million non-guaranteed salary and Beasley's sixteen point five million dollar team option, the Lakers would be pushing hundred and fifty million plus with just eight players. Oof. Because they also got to take care of Austin Reeves, which is big. Um and that's before including. That's that so you're looking at like hundred and fifty plus million before including D'Angelo Russell, Dennis Schroeder, and Lonnie Walker. So Ipso facto, the Lakers do not have enough space, it seems. They don't have enough money. They got enough money, but they don't have enough cap that they want to use to fit Mo Bamba and Malik Beasley into their plans for next year, which begs the question, Rami. Again, we talked about needs for the Kings. Back up big. Wing on the list. Let's start with uh, Mo Bamba. Cause look, if you've listened to this show at all over the past year and a half, before Rami was here... As Rami got here and since Rami's been here, I love myself some Mo Bamba. And,
0: it's, and Rami is in on Mo Bamba. It's
2: well, almost irrational yeah. how much I really like Mo Bamba. I don't know why. He's shown flashes. I, just, I think Mo Bamba is a perfect fit with Domas. And I said that last offseason. I said it at this trading deadline in, in February, and I'm saying it now. There aren't many bigs who theoretically fit next to Domas. Mo Bamba is one of them. And I'm not telling you Mo Bamba is going to be a a 30-minute-a-night guy. If Mo could be, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And maybe he gives you 20 to 25. Because the the thing I love about Bamba – Rami, is the fact that, again, his fit with Sabonis allows him to play the four yep. when Domas is the five. And when Domas has to sit out for 15 minutes, he can be the five. You can move Mo Bamba to the five.
0: I think both those guys are great fits, man.
2: He's a fit. He fits the team need. He's 25 years old. He's going to be plenty motivated. I, I, I think Mo Bamba is one of the dudes that I... And I don't think he's going to cost you a ton. I don't think so. It's not like he was traded for a ton at the deadline. So I don't think he's going to cost you, you know... I think you could probably get Mo Bamba five or six million bucks, maybe. So I don't think he's going to cost you a ton. Now Malik Beasley, six four, uh, has shot almost
0: thirty eight percent from three in his career. He's twenty six years old. You like Beasley as well? I do. I, and we talked about both of these guys leading up to the trade deadline, Nick. Like you said, this isn't especially with Bamba. This isn't something new when you talk about our interest in that guy joining the Kings, but. With Beasley, I think there's a guy who he's been on a few winning teams, so he, he knows what it, what it takes to win. Good shooter, good size, one of those wingies that you were talking about that you, mm, that you wanted even like the, myself the, a wingie. the kitchen is closed. I'm, I'm a, I like both of these moves for the Kings, and I would be uh, 100% in on it if they went for one or both of those guys. And you're hurting the Lakers in the process. Added I'm a, bonus.
2: I'm a little less enamored with Beasley. I mean, I like him, don't love him. Uh, I wonder how much money he's gonna cost. He is, you know, again, the team option is at sixteen and a half million. Uh does he think he deserves twelve, thirteen, fifteen million? If so, I'm less enamored with Malik Beasley. If you told me you can get Beasley for less than that, you know, high single, you know, numbers here, eight, nine million, maybe. But the thing about Beasley is defensively, no bueno. His defensive rating last year was 117.2. So, again, p- part of me wanting wingy, I want defensive wingy. Knocking down the, the three point part is great for Beasley. The defensive part has not been consistent, it has not been great. And he's also another kind of like volume guy. And I, I don't, you know, if he's coming off the bench for you, you already got a volume guy in Malik. I was going to say, you got one Malik who's a volume guy. So if you asked me, out of the two players, I think Bamba is the better fit. If you said, Nick, you have the money to pay one of these two guys, I'd pay Mo Bamba. Yeah. And I think think Beasley will be looking for more money
0: than Bamba, but I'd go with Mo Bamba. I think he's more of a need and a better fit for what the Kings are doing than, than Malik Beasley is, but I'd be okay with both. If you can swing it, get both, like I said, hurt the Lakers in the process, dismantle that roster they put together at the trade deadline last year. Added bonus. Let's go to our friend Mitch. Mitch. Mitch is up. What's up, Mitch?
3: Oh, how you guys doing? Good. How Thanks you people. doing? I know it, good, good. Always time to go in sports. As long as there's more sports than work, I'm okay with it. That's what I'm right. sorry. I've, I've gone off tracks already. <laughs> um, Denver, right. I know he should, he should have called a timeout. That'd be a, that would have been a smart thing. But the real thing that gets me is that they're foes. Uh, Porter, and Aaron and Gordon, yeah, they should have played better. I mean, I expect they could be four stars. These guys could be four star team, the way they 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 live up to their ability. You already got Murray and Joker. they're stars are really. and then that was super that was supersede all these talk about the three star super team. These guys got four guys and three of them they draft themselves. One guy in the second. It's amazing. Jokers. Imagine if he worked out and worked on his lifting and everything, and he could jump. So, it, it, what, what a specimen this guy would be. He's incredible, I, Mitch. A lot of guys missing, yeah. missing him, just like Tom Brady. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks, Mitch. Appreciate you, buddy.
2: A couple things. I think he's dead accurate, dead on with, with the Gordon Porter stuff. As I said, Michael Porter Jr. was an embarrassment last night. He's an embarrassment. I wouldn't show my face. On the team playing after that game last night, if I was Michael Porter Jr., he was that bad. Well, I mean, he's got it. He's got to get back to uh, to Denver. I'd wear a
0: mask or two. No, they're going to Miami. They're going to I'm Miami. Gotta get to Miami. That's right.
2: My bad. Uh, I'd wear a mask at least. Put a mask on. Try to hide myself,
0: and not for germ purposes.
2: No. Okay. For embarrassment purposes. For shame purposes. And Gordon, look, Gordon's played well defensively against Butler. So I'm, I'm not going to kill Gordon as much as Porter because Gordon has played some pretty good defense. But, they, you know, they you got 17 points from those two guys last night. And Porter's going to make them pay with scoring. They're, you know, he's been open. He's going to knock down some shots. Especially when you got Murray scoring 18 points. Look, Denver can play much better. I don't think Miami can play much better than they played last night. If playoff but, Jimmy shows up. But if playoff Jimmy shows up, the other guys aren't getting as many shots, right? Like, True. So that's the thing. Like, yeah... Pl- Playoff, Jimmy shows up, but Struess and Lowry and Robinson and Vincent, they're not all giving you, you know, Lowry was one point away from double digits. All four of those guys would have given you double digits. So you got to take some away from them to give to Jimmy. I think Denver has, you know, they got a higher ceiling. Again, if they play their best, they win this series. But they need all their guys playing, man. Miami has proven. They've beaten Milwaukee. They've beaten Boston. Two of the best teams in the NBA this year they've proven if, if you're not clicking on all cylinders if you're not, if you're not playing as well as you can play they're going to beat you but if denver gets production from the other guys if they, you know if they get production from those forwards and if jamal murray gives them at least 24 say, 25 even then if
0: just jokic and murray can go off on you that that probably should be enough to to beat the miami heat Callbacks. The phone is ringing, and we are checking to see who's on the line. Long time listener, first time caller. News, gossip, a story. Okay, who's the next victim? It's the callback on Cattles in Rami. Alrighty, earlier today,
2: we had our friend Dan Feldman on the program. And Dan is the host on the Dunk Dom Prime podcast. Of course, he was on the Folsom Lake Honda Hotline. Folsom Lake Honda is your one-stop Honda shop. And uh, I had asked Dan, you know, given the retirement, what would you say? A threat? Was that really a threat from LeBron?
0: Um, I wouldn't say a threat. Tease, maybe.
2: LeBron pondering retirement.
0: There it is. Publicly,
2: which puts pressure on the front office. And this uh, whole Kyrie, LeBron, in Dallas, maybe because they're trying to put pressure on L.A. to go after Kyrie. Because we know that the Lakers have reportedly not been in on Kyrie as an idea. Uh, LeBron putting pressure, putting some pressure on the Lakers front office. And whether or not the Lakers are going to succumb to that pressure and make a bigger move than we might anticipate them making.
1: I hope so. They should. LeBron is right in this. You know, they they should be trying to win right now. They shouldn't be hedging their bets on, oh, well, we want to have, you know, somebody who's still their 20s who's going to be pretty good in five, six years. (laughs) Who cares about five to six years? You have a chance to win a title right now. I think they should have gone more in aggressively this year. I think they should go in aggressively next year. You got to find the right move. I don't know exactly what trades, who's available for what. Uh, but LeBron is right. I, I think the Lakers should listen. They've resisted so far, and you kind of got the thought of them thinking, well, maybe last year wasn't the year, but LeBron's still going to be good next year. We could do it next year, and uh, that's possible, but the, the bigger sense you get is they're trying to take a long-term vision. I just don't think that makes sense when your best player's 38 years old. I'm not
0: sure how they could have been more aggressive last year, Nick, than what we saw at the trade deadline. You know, I mean? They were yeah. really aggressive and upgraded their roster as much if not and probably more than anybody else in the NBA. But I've been saying I've been saying this all along. First of all, a lot of a lot of w- the reason that they're stuck where they are stuck when you talk about the Lakers is because of moves that LeBron James asked asked them to make or engineered himself or gave the okay for them to make at the very least. Yeah. And also if I'm the Lakers, I I I I look at the other side of, of what he said there in that soundbite, Nick, which is that you have LeBron for one more year. How much of the post-LeBron era do you want a franchise? Do you want a mortgage for for one shot at winning a title? Like I I get the go for it mentality, and that's why LeBron is there. But how much of the future do you want a mortgage to take one more shot at a title? With LeBron James, if he was willing to commit to two or three more years, yeah, sure, fine. Let's let's give up some of the future and ride it out with LeBron and see what we can do while he's still a Laker. But with one more year, I don't know that I that I'm necessarily going all in for for LeBron. Are you doing this for LeBron? or Are you doing this for the Lakers and for Laker fans?
2: All right. We also asked Dan Feldman of uh, the host on Dunked On Prime podcast. This idea of making Nikola Jokic score, is that better for teams who are playing against the Nuggets? Is he buying into this? Here's what Dan said.
1: I think it's real. And I think, uh, I don't know if you guys have played the uh, the Eric Spolster soundbite when Ramona mm-hmm. Shelburne of ESPN asked him about it. He's like, oh, that's for people who, who don't really understand the game. And. You know, I I think he was uh, protesting a little bit too much. And I also think he was somewhat responding to something that wasn't quite what she was asking, or at least isn't quite what the discussion is. Is it easy to prevent Jokic from being a passer? No, not at all. Even when that's your game plan, it's hard to execute. But I think what's real is trying to make that your game plan. Doing your best to make it so it's harder for him to pass and saying, oh, if he's going to score to beat us, that's what we'd rather live with. I, I think Denver's offense probably isn't quite as strong when it's too much Jokic scoring. And I think there are things that he can do to make it shift that way. Now, Jokic is so good. The next game, the Heat might do all those same things. And the next game, Jokic might still pick them apart as a passer. It's not something – that's kind of what I think Spolster was saying, was we can't stop him from passing. But I do think they can tilt their defense in that direction. I think they're trying to.
2: I mean, it is pretty interesting, like – I know we use this forty points or more number. The the Nuggets are 0-3 when Jokic scores forty or more this postseason. <laughs> I mean, they won when he scored thirty-four. They won when he scored thirty-two. <laughs> it's like three or four buckets, that's the end all be all.
0: If Jokic scores thirty-four points, win. If you if he scores forty, forget about it. No chance. Yeah, maybe and I should I I guess I could check this out. Maybe the number that's more Oh, what's the word that I'm... Directly related to their... How many assists does he have? You know what I mean? I, I wonder if I wonder if you can find a, a direct correlation in assists to wins well, when, when he, talking about Jokic. When he
2: scored 34 against the Lakers in Game 1, and, and they obviously won that series, and they won that game, uh, he had 14 assists. So that would emphasize your point. Uh, he had 30 points against... Hold on. He had 32 against the Suns, in that closeout. out. He had 12 assists.
0: I would say this. Maybe the number is 10-plus assists. Maybe that's the magic number. Yeah. I, I think we we have to look at the idea of just the flow of this
2: offense, right? Like, that's, that's the whole point of it. It's not like, oh, once he hits 40, forget about it. It's the flow of the offense. You know, it, it's not even shots. He took 24 shots against the Lakers in the closeout game. They still won. He took 28 last night. So it's not necessarily shots. It's like... I think we have to look at the others. Like, how did the other guys play when Jokic had 40? That's the point. Like, if Michael Porter Jr. is not a puddle last night, then you win the game, even with Jokic scoring 41. So if if Jamal Murray doesn't give you 18, you win that game with Jokic scoring 41. So it's it's too simplified to just boil it down to that one number is the point. A lot of things go into games. But I'm not smart. Me, I want to it's boil more, it down to one number, Nick. To me, it's more coincidental, especially when you talk about a three-game sample size in the mm. postseason. It's more coincidental because those three games, it might just be a coincidence that the other guys didn't
0: play well either. Give me one number to boil it down to. I'm dumb. I'm stupid. I need one number. Well, how about you work on that? I can't follow all these numbers. It's like, you're Ooh, not, all you're, these numbers. You're giving me homework
2: here? I mean, who are you?
0: Nick, I why need, don't you go find a number? I, get need one, I need one number. I'm just saying. I'll give you a number. I need. <laughs> All
2: right, there's your callback. Thanks to Dan Feldman. He's on the uh, Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Folsom Lake Honda. Your one-stop Honda shop. Coming up, did a wide receiver go too far in pumping his QB1's tire? Classic. Baby, Love this one.
1: So, Aaron
2: Rodgers, Baby, Rami. Uh, he is loving himself some New York. Taylor Swift concert. I was just going to say, he apparently is a Swifty. Yes, he is. Oh, who's Matty Healy? I'm happy I don't know who the hell that guy is.
0: He is the singer of the 1975. Don't know who that is. Solid band. Is it? Apparently, though, he's, uh, he's said some things that might make you believe he's not uh, as great a guy as his music might indicate.
2: Oh, okay. Yes. And folks I were, don't know him. I don't know his music. Folks
0: I, were upset with Taylor for dating somebody.
2: Who well, he's no longer. Have those beliefs. and th- They uh, they apparently are on the outs. Yeah. She listened to the Swifties. I'm very excited that I had no idea who he was.
0: It, it made my heart dance. This is one I of those things where I go, why do I know this? Yeah, you know when I know I'm on Twitter too much, you know, way too much. I know way too much about this. Maddie Healy or whatever I the hell. Do you like is. the? I, they got a few songs. I like the 1975 Solid band.
2: Couldn't pick them out of a lineup. <laughs> the
0: 1975
2: band uh, songs. <laughs> Give me a song that I should know here.
0: I, I don't. I'm terrible with song names. There are bands I love and songs I love. Right. I could not tell you the name of the song. This is. A major weakness of mine, so I couldn't, I couldn't help you there. But they got a few songs right. They, I hear them, and I'm, oh yeah, I know this song. I like. What this is song. the biggest hit? Uh, chocolate. I don't know. The sound. Maybe. Somebody else. That sounds like it could be a thing. Girls. I think I do know that one actually.
2: I don't know any of this, and I'm, I'm happy. I don't need to know any of it. Okay. Um, but so maybe Aaron Rodgers will end up dating Taylor Swift. Maybe. she's a Swifty. Maybe. And, you know, she's, she. I don't know if she frequents New York. I know she owns a home in Rhode
0: Island, of all places. So maybe she'll be around in that general area. I hate myself for knowing this, but she does have a, a condo in New York.
2: <laughs> Why do you know so much about Taylor Swift?
0: How can you be on Twitter and not? She's everywhere. She's getting weird. <laughs> she's everywhere. Also, my niece is infatuated. Blame like, it on the niece. Fixated. Classy move. Can't be. How old the is niece. your niece that you just threw under the bus?
2: 15. <laughs>
0: there
2: you go. Yeah. Think about that. Somewhere in that range.
0: You know, she's a teenager.
2: Uh, playing the role of the the darling of New York is perfect. It's absolutely perfect for uh, Rogers. He's loving this. He's he's soaking this in. He's you know at the Taylor Swift concert dancing around and all this stuff. He's loving it. He's loving it. And for Green Bay, the inevitable question is, are they even going to be good this year without Rodgers? You know, what is what is the ceiling with Jordan Love at quarterback? Well, Romeo Dobbs, wide receiver for the Packers, would lead you to believe that the Packers are going to be really good this year. Dobbs spoke with uh, Spectrum News 1's Dennis Krause. Krause. And uh, is that what they call him? Krause? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Krause, asked them, obviously there's been a change of quarterback. Do you see a difference in Jordan? And Romeo Dobbs's answer, Rami was no, I think Jordan can do it. I think Jordan is a really good quarterback. When you go from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan, Aaron was a really great quarterback, but I believe Jordan can do the same exact thing. <laughs> he's not saying he's, you know, he, he has the ability to play well. No, he's saying that. Jordan Love can do the same exact thing. He's
0: saying, I don't see the difference in these two guys. That's what he said. Yeah. So I don't really see what's the big difference. Now, look,
2: I don't know Jordan Love from a hole in the wall. I've not been evaluating him. I've not been watching him. And if Jordan Love ends up being the same quality quarterback that Aaron Rodgers was and and still is – We'll look back and say, man, Romeo Dobbs was... Oh, I won't look back at anything because I quit football if that happens. <laughs> we, I already told you that. We joked on that dude, Romeo Dobbs, but you know what? He he ended up being right. Uh, I understand the young man is trying to say the right thing and do the right thing here by standing up behind his quarterback, but
0: do not ever come out and say Jordan Love is the exact same thing as Aaron Rodgers and you don't see a difference. Yeah, this is either him pumping his guy's tires and trying to be you know, a good teammate, good friend, or this is a guy who is, is is buying into what he's seeing in a guy throwing in shorts and no pads. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's seeing, he's like, man, look at the spin on that ball. Oh my, look at that. How tight that spot, that thing just went 55, 60 yards through the air. Look at that. There's also nobody rushing him. There's also nobody, no threat of anybody hitting him. There's also, you know, second and third stringers that are going to, fourth stringers are going to be selling insurance in a few weeks. Taking part in some of these practices and, and training activities. It's there either he doesn't believe this or he's 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 believing in something that he shouldn't necessarily be putting a lot of stock in just yet. Well, you
2: know who hates this. Who's that? I would guess Matt LaFleur. Any coach for this team is not probably not thrilled that Romeo Dobbs is, you know, saying to people publicly, going on record, saying, Oh, Rogers, love, same guy. Same guy. Wait a minute. Future Hall of Famer versus the guy who, you know, I've read a lot about Jordan Love. At least early on the first couple years, none of it was good. Everybody who had watched this guy at camp and practice and preseason and all that stuff, they were like, this guy is incredibly inaccurate. There was, there were, there were, uh, I had Rob Domofsky on my show in Virginia Beach a few years back. Love Rob. And I remember Rob saying, yeah, you know how they have that, uh, the whole throwing thing with the Nets? Yeah, Jordan Love couldn't hit the net at times. And then that's like 15 yards away. So, he might have gotten much better, but saying this publicly at this point is not what you want any of your players to say. This is this is brutal. This is putting everything on Jordan Love. You don't want anybody comparing him to Aaron Rodgers right now. That's the worst possible scenario for the young man. Let him go out there and play and prove to people if he's good or not. You don't need these comparisons between he and one of the best quarterbacks that's ever played the game. It's outrageous. And there's a lot of pressure on the front office and a lot of pressure on, on Jordan Love, obviously, to get this thing right. Meanwhile, I laughed. I LOL'd
0: at that quote. I literally oh, yeah. LOL'd at that quote. Of course quote. you did. All of us did, and if we didn't, we should. I hope years down the road I don't feel like a jackass for LOLing at that quote. Here's a
2: crazy story, by the way. So uh, Kentucky just beat Indiana in the college baseball tournament. Thanks. I was and, DVRing uh, that. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm sure. Spoiler alert. Sure, you you can't wait to get home and watch the highlights of that one mm-hmm. uh but uh, big tennessee who works for barstool have no idea who this person is but he he wrote about mj metz with a z metz uh mj hit three home runs rami and duke's NCAA tournament opening win over unc wilmington which that's pretty good it'd be a huge a huge game for anybody yeah three home runs um metz also uh did this 9 days removed from tearing his acl how do you even do that this guy hit three home runs in a game nine days after tearing his ACL. He suffered the knee injury in the uh, tournament loss to NC State on May 23rd. He was back playing in Duke's regional opener just over a week later. Um, this dude uh, got to Duke after starting his career at Division three Trinity College. So, needless to say, he's he's a dude that works hard and 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 you know. We'll how try is, to get the most out of his talent, including after you tear your ACL and go out there and hit three home
0: runs. How is a leg even functioning well enough for you to, to, to take hacks, much less hit three home I, runs I don't know. torn ACL? We're a little short on time, but JJ had a story this morning
2: about when he was in was it A ball or high A ball? And dude that he was playing with had a torn ACL and he was playing catcher one game,
0: right, JJ? Yeah, dude was playing catcher and he didn't know he had an ACL. Here and once they figured it out, he had already played pretty much the game. And then because he was on a heater, he was hitting something crazy. He was on a streak. This guy um, was then put back into the lineup at third base because that was the only thing he could play and didn't have to move a lot. Yeah, and the dude still went like three for like something like three for four one game, <laughs> two for three the next game. Like he had a hell of a series too, a four game series. That's crazy. Torn ACL. It was in like seven hundred for the the week. Pretty good week. I, uh, this reminds me of me breaking my hand and oh, finishing course. the flag that's, football doubleheader, getting two interceptions. Oh,
2: man, that's easy. I mean, very similar. Just like uh, Jordan Love is very similar to Aaron Rodgers. Same thing. Same thing. <laughs> not, not much of a difference there. Same exact thing. I mean, we've seen NFL linemen play like, you know, on a torn ACL. but um, Yeah, I guess. But I think Logan Mankins of the Patriots. But I was played watching this dude, ACL. no
0: limp running around the bases, nothing. I mean, he wasn't sprinting, but even just a jog. Are you are you implying that this young man lied or do? No, 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 no. I'm wondering how how he's how he's performing this superhuman feat. That's amazing. I don't even know how you do that. The swing is one thing, because I don't know how a, an ACL affects like the 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 balance, the torque of a of a swing, but. How's he running around the bases? He was DHing, so I guess he didn't have to field. But how's he even running around the bases with no limp, nothing? This guy's a Marvel superhero.
2: He's
1: hitting bombs, mean, Hitting bombs, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he can take his time around the bases. Yes, hitting bombs. Tearing ACLs and hitting bombs. All right, all right, all
1: right.
2: That's what MJ Metz does, apparently. Uh, good job by Simone. Uh, I'd say a C, so. Good. Thank you. Good. C. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There was a one time. I said a she, C
3: minus. She had
2: one hour on the board. She pulled the trigger too early the first break. Yeah. I that's, thought
0: you were still holding her. Uh, we have to dock her some Vanderpump back. opinions. Against oh God,
2: her. that's a F. Uh. So enough of her. We'll we'll see her tomorrow. JJ, great job. We'll see him tomorrow too. Rami, I'll see you too. I was here. All three of you. I did the thing. Everybody have a great, fantastic Monday. night. You have night. a great, fantastic Monday Thanks, night, Rami Nick Cattles. All right, everybody. Good night and goodbye. Tomorrow, Cattles and Rami, Sacktown Sports.